Welcome into Loho Daily. I'm Loho, a.k.a. Lawrence Holmes. There's big news on the WNBA salary front. And luckily, I have a friend who covers the WNBA. You hear her on the score all the time on the Julia Maggie show, Maggie Hendricks. All right, so tell me this, Maggie. What, what happened here? Because it seems like this was a major victory for the players in the WNBA. Yeah, so uh, this morning on, Great, on Good Morning America, uh, the WNBA and the WNBA PA announced that they have come to a CBA agreement. It's an eight-year agreement, which is huge for the stability of the league. Um, and it's a giant increase in salary. There's a lot more incentives. There's a lot more uh, benefits. Like, I mean, things like, hey – six foot six basketball players you don't have to fly economy anymore like things like that you get to have your own hotel room like things that guys take for granted now some of that is going to be afforded to the WNBA and it it means a lot like fully paid maternity leave fully paid for veterans they can get things like uh fertility help like it's just so many things about what a woman needs to do her job well were thought about and covered here. You talk to these players all the time. And, and one of the things about the WNBA that I've always think is, is um, it has, has always been interesting is that you have players that end up playing overseas because they weren't making, they were making, I guess, technically a living wage, but they weren't making enough money to, to pass up the opportunity to go play overseas. Do you think that these changes will make it so that American players will stay in America? I think that that's what the aim of this is. And I think that there are more players who are going to get a chance to not have to go overseas. And, and there's a couple different reasons this is true. First of all, the top dollar, like the, the top dollar salary that a player can make the base salary if you're the if you're a max player if you're in a max contract if you're diana tarasi sue bird courtney vandersloot you are probably going to you're going to make at least two hundred fifteen thousand dollars, which is a hundred thousand dollars more than the top player could make previously plus there are a bunch of marketing agreements and so ways other ways for players to make money that way and previously if a WNBA player was working as a coach for an NBA team, which is what Christy Tolliver, who plays for the Mystics, does, she is also a coach for the uh, Wizards, there was a restriction on how much money they could make as a coach in another place. So she only made $10,000 for being a coach of the Wizards sitting next to guys who are making 10 times what she was making. So now that restriction has been has not only been rescinded, but also there's going to be more opportunities, more coaching opportunities, basically more things where women can, more ways for women to make money that don't just involve going to Spain and playing for a team there. Yeah, I remember hearing that story and going, that is, um, that seems horrible that, that she's restricted from earning. And I mean, it, you got some of the highest paid assistants on NBA benches are making millions of dollars. So the fact that you have someone who is clearly putting in the work only making $10,000 because of a rule in the CBA always seemed really unfair to me. 
Oh yeah. I mean, it, it was absolutely crazy. And the thing is, is it also prevented other players from trying to get those similar kind of jobs. Cause I will tell you something and I, I I'm sure going to write a, a column about it at some point. Courtney Vandersloot should absolutely be an assistant coach for the Bulls. She is the best point guard. She's one of the best point guards in the entire world, in my opinion. And she could teach so many of the Bulls young guards so much, so much. And so I would love to see a player like her who is, I believe Courtney is turning 31 this summer. She's played, she plays overseas in Russia. See her get opportunities to coach. That makes, that would make a difference on her ability to play really well in the WNBA. Yeah. And you know what I think Maggie ends up happening is yes, it makes it so that players don't have to go play in Europe, but I think that it also allows for some competition for those players. Oh yeah. That that I think the salaries of the European leagues are going to, go up because they don't want to miss out on having great players come over there and play. So I think that it it can help players on the back end of this too. Well, I think the other thing is, I mean, the money in Europe particularly, but also China, Australia, the money is there. Like the the, uh, team that Courtney Vandersloot, Ellie Quigley and Jamira Faulkner play for, uh, UMMC Ekaterinburg, they're, it's Russian oil money. They got all kinds of money. These players are very well taken care of. But things like um, players have, like, them working the schedule around the WNBA and not the WNBA having to work around the European schedule, that is, I think, going to be a game changer. Because one of the things that the players had to give up to get all these other things was they have to report at the beginning of camp. And they didn't have to do that in the past because they – because frankly, how are you? How is a team that's paying you seventy-five thousand dollars going to require you say yes? You have to turn the team who's paying you three hundred thousand dollars to turn. You know, you can't. You have to say no to them. You can't do that. But now that I think is is going to be something that is looked at differently. What do you think was the impetus for this? How did things start to change? Well, in twenty eighteen, the WNBA players opted out of their CBA. And uh, the reason they opted out is because they, they just, there were so many things that just weren't, they weren't being treated right. And they knew that. And they were saying, so they were saying so. Um, and also the WNBA over at the beginning of last season got a commissioner for the t- first time, not a president, but a commissioner. Um, and so that commissioner came over from Deloitte, though she played basketball and she played actually under Muffet McGraw when Muffet was at Lehigh, Muffet who is now at Notre Dame. Um, she did not, she, she didn't come from like the sports world. She came from a place of, of like coming up with contract negotiations. And this was like her whole world. So I think more than anything, Kathy Engelbert was brought in to make sure that there was a CBA that would make players want to stay in the U.S., and I think the biggest impetus was honestly last season. So many of the top players in the league were injured and out for the season. Brianna Stewart, the reigning MVP, ruptured her Achilles on the last day of her overseas commitment and missed the entire WNBA season. And I, I think things like that kind of brought everything into focus 
for the WNBA, for the, the, you know, the league and for them to come together and say, you know, we need to fix this. What role did the NBA play in this? Um, I'm, I'm not sure if they played a huge active role other than the, the fact that the NBA owns the WNBA. I mean, of course, they're going to, they're going to have a, be a part of it. Um, and the, the commissioner, Kathy Engelbert, she does uh, report to Adam Silver. But uh, as far as like an active role in negotiations, I'm not aware that they really had any. Yeah, I, I, but I will say that I've enjoyed, and I don't know what role like the NBA PA, and I'm looking forward to, look, to finding out more about that. It seems as if there is a, a pretty strong connection between the players. Oh, that, absolutely. And, and, and you're someone who covers WNBA NBA games, and you see NBA players show up to that pretty often. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, there were at most Sky Games this season. As soon as, like, the Bulls season was over, uh, Wendell Carter was at a ton of games. Colby White, Lowry Markinen, Ryan Archidiakono, Bobby Portis. There were so many NBA players who, who came out, Dwayne Wade, Anthony Davis, to come and support the NBA. LeBron James goes to a million games. I mean, there's so – like, there is definitely – a connection between the two and like when the Washington Mystics were on their in their title run the Washington Wizards were at their games cheering them on like the entire team so I mean there is definitely a camaraderie between the players of both leagues which is what cracks me up whenever I I hear a dude like making fun of the NBA or the WNBA like I'm sorry if Dwayne Wade Anthony Davis and LeBron James like the WNBA and you're making fun of it you're the idiot buddy yeah, I agree. Ball don't lie. Uh, that that that's a good thing. So, what do you think this means for the health of the WNBA? Because I know that that's been a big question too. I honestly, I I really think at the the end of this CBA, these end of this eight years, it's going to be very telling. We're going to really find out about where the league is. But I think it's honestly investing in players, which is what they're doing is always the smartest way to grow a league, investing in your talent. I mean, and that's more than a league. That's literally every company anywhere. If you invest in your talent, that company tends to grow. So I, I think it's, it's a great thing. It's gonna, it's, I think it'll increase the invisibility of players with more marketing and coaching and media agreements and all, all kinds of good things. So I, I think it's going to it really increase the health of the league. Well, thanks, Maggie. I appreciate you jumping on the podcast today and uh, filling it with knowledge about what's going on and what I think uh, Shams, I want to say, broke the story and he called it a landmark day in the WNBA. And I think that that is an accurate. Howard Magdal broke the story, man. Howard Magdal broke it. He He did. I'm sorry. I didn't see it. It's all right. He did it. Yeah, he had a New York Times story up. But but like, but no, but, but, but Shams had like, that Shams was reporting on it was very, very helpful too. Cause I, I need those NBA guys out there to see like, Hey, Hey, a, a reminder every time, anytime you hear uh, anybody talk about how bad Chicago sports is, you can remind them that Chicago men's sports are bad. It's- no, you're right. Cause, every- cause the red stars were in the championship game Yeah, and, and the, the sky were in the playoffs. So women's sports, bandit- the bandits too were in their championship game. So and and DePaul women were in the NCAA tournament, and Northwestern lacrosse is kind of always a champion. Yeah, and I and I believe University of Chicago soccer and volleyball made it to the final four. See, I got to cover it, Maggie. I yeah, got to cover do. it. 
I knew you would. I knew you would. Just make sure you, you know, you, you ding that buzzer, yell at people, say, uh-uh, don't let them get away with saying Chicago sports are bad. They're not. It's just the men are bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Get on with the rest of your day, and I appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks, Lauren. Bye. Bye, friend.